0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome in to the Road to Wire uh, NFL podcast. Uh, our opening just didn't want to open uh, right there, so we're, we're doing a cold open for, for this week's episode. Uh, mid-season form. Uh, of course, right, right here on the Roto-Wire NFL podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I am your host, John McCackney, joined as always by Mario Puig. Mario, week one is upon us. We got a lot to get to. We're going to run through every single game on the week one slate, breaking down the biggest fantasy angles from each and every matchup, uh, all that good stuff. So we got a lot to get to today. But uh, leading things off, Mario. How are you heading into into this uh, the season finally being upon us?
2: I'm uh, I'm fine. I'm trying to just you know truly wake up. Like I don't think it's really hit me yet. Maybe it's going to take the the kickoff ceremonies for this Thursday game before I kind of feel like I'm pulled back into an actual timeline of of like the NFL season. I, I'm just kind of like floating around in a you know in between. Kind of state right now and nothing i don't really have any real thoughts like time is too abstract but i'm hoping i can kind of feel like i'm back in the the real world you know in a few hours here
1: yeah the the totem the inception totem spinning uh or the equivalent of that i guess would be chris collinsworth sliding in to sit next to al michaels in the booth and that's how you know uh what the world is real and, and time has Yeah,
2: because otherwise, otherwise reality to me is just like this suspended thing. And I I watch different like TV shows and I play different video games, but time doesn't actually pass. And this is maybe, you know, making something more like a chronology that can be experienced as the passage of time.
1: There it is. Okay. All right. So a a bit of existential stuff to to lead things off here. Um, We're not going to spend too, too much time on the Thursday game because that game obviously does... Uh, kickoff in a few hours but just your, your general sense on how this one's going to go Dak Prescott's return uh, going on the road against this defending Super Bowl champions who bring back pretty much everyone Vegas has this one as uh, Tampa Bay eight point favorites so a pretty strong line there to to open the season uh, in the sense that Tampa Bay is probably winning this one and, and probably winning by by more than a touchdown uh, any thoughts uh, here as, as we uh, head into that season opener
2: yeah, I feel like Dallas usually comes out pretty flat in situations like this, so I definitely can understand the spread being up to 10 points now, basically. I don't know how to call where the usage is going to come from for the Buccaneers offense. There's no funnel effect to observe, except maybe Dallas is a little bit tougher in the interior field if the, if Micah Parsons keeps looking like a monster. Uh, maybe something changes in that part of the field, but those corners can't really slow down any of those receivers, so as far as who's going to go off between, you know, Evans, Brown, Godwin, the tight ends, I don't really know how to call it, but if the spread is sound, then Ronald Jones should be in a pretty, him and Fournette, I guess, could both get a good amount of work.
1: Okay, and uh, if if you were to play one of those two, uh, maybe for, for like the DFS uh, showdown slate for, for tonight, uh, which one would, would you go with between Fournette and Jones?
2: Jones is five thousand, if I remember right, on DraftKings, which is really cheap. Like if you if you run an optimizer kind of thing, I have to imagine it's going to say pick Ronald Jones. So for that reason, especially if you're in a tournament, I guess there's maybe a little more reason than normal to consider Fournette because he's I think he's like seven thousand. So you would imagine Fournette is a little bit lesser owned, or I would I would kind of assume that anyway. So tournament di- uh, differentiation, I guess Fournette might be in a good spot, but. F- I guess Jones is the more likely sound value. Interesting.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll run with that. Let's get on over to Sunday. Uh, I cannot wait for Sunday. I can't wait to just wake up and uh, freak out about setting all, I don't know, 10 of my, of my fantasy league lineups. And that's not, you know, obviously best ball, you don't have to do that luckily. And then set my DFS lineup. So Sunday morning, I look forward to, to that chaos I'm going to be working late on Saturday as well, getting our college football stuff all covered. So looking forward to, to Sunday and uh, leading us off here, uh, the Atlanta Falcons in my my new home backyard, uh, playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Atlanta three-point favorites in this one. So Vegas kind of views them as neutral, gives the lean uh, to home field and the Falcons. Um, according to Yahoo's uh, spread picks data, um, 62% of Yahoo users are, are uh, picking Uh, the Falcons to cover those three points in this one. Your thoughts as we uh, head into this battle of the
2: birds. So I guess everyone wants to be pretty low on the Eagles because I don't know why we would think the Falcons are especially good. Their personnel is really bad. Like we give the, the Texans a lot of grief, of course, which they deserve, but the Falcons team roster is similarly bad. And on defense, I don't know how they're going to really stop anything like they're they're gonna have to just do tricks and confuse opponents and dean pease the defensive coordinator to be fair might be one of the best and if jalen hurts can be confused into playing poorly this is actually a surprisingly dangerous spot for him but if the eagles just stick on the ground i don't know if that defense can really defend anybody in terms of just you know matching up and winning football matchups so uh I don't know how to make the call on the spread. If I had to pick a side, I guess I'd go with the Falcons just because I do think they're the better coached team by quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I guess also no one on the Eagles is as frightening as Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts are on on the Falcons. So uh, I guess for that reason, I would defer to them and definitely really like Kyle Pitts uh, all year, Calvin Ridley all year. I don't see anything intimidating about this matchup for either of them. They both should get off to a fast start
1: so any um dfs considerations for, from this particular game do you think that Pitts kind of lights the world on fire from, from the get-go here and then on, on the other side you mentioned uh, the eagles potentially being able to run the ball well on this falcons kind of soft front seven so is there is there a little bit of miles sanders intrigue not to put uh, words in your mouth there
2: Oh, no, not at all. I mean, um, I think Sanders should run effectively, and this game shouldn't really get out of hand, so I think this should be one of Sanders' better matchups of the year, because the way it would go bad for him is if they do fall behind enough that they start putting in their hurry-up packages, because that's probably going to be Boston Scott, maybe Kenny Gainwell. Sanders is just not really a good pass catcher for whatever reason, so he needs to get those carries, but in this particular matchup, I think you can feel pretty good about his chances. I don't know if I'm going to go at him in DFS exactly. Um, but I, I think as far as this season goes, this is one of the better spots and Pitts is only like 4,300 on DraftKings, So at that price, I imagine he'll be pretty chalky, but the way I'm looking at it is, you know, that's, that's just way too cheap. And if, if he's, you know, 5,800 next week, I'm going to wish I had taken chalky 4,300 pits the week before.
1: Sure. No, absolutely. And then uh, one last guy I, I will ask you about uh, before we get on to the next game: What do you do with Jalen Hurts? Um, do you, would you start him in a season-long league if he's your your QB one? Um, say you had, you know, some version or some quarterback tandem of say Jalen Hurts and a Kirk Cousins uh, who, who's going on the road against the Bengals. Uh, that that type of roster construction. Other than yeah. having, having a shaky quarterback room, like how, how would you approach that?
2: That's tough because I am a little worried about Hurts as a passer in this game, but I'm not too worried about him as a runner. As long as he gets the shot to run the ball, and if the Eagles are moving the ball a little bit, getting first downs, then that will make Pease defend the run threat a little bit differently than in the scenario where Hurts isn't uh, demonstrating that threat. So if he is demonstrating the run threat, and some of the concerns that I have about Hertz as a passer don't necessarily apply because uh, the defense can't defend the pass as much in that scenario. And him being lesser, doesn't necessarily matter as much. So it, it's kind of like Sanders. It should be one of his better spots. And if you're committed to Hertz this year, it, it, like if you picked him, I don't know why you would have done that. If, if you weren't prepared to start them in this game. Well,
1: uh, I'm the guy that got caught with, uh, red handed or, or, uh, I was price enforcing basically on, on Hertz in the stake league auction and got stuck. Oh, with well with that's, that's a
2: little bit different <laughs> in the scenario, but I mean, I do like the spot for cousins enough if, if the weather is fine. Not that I have any reason to believe it's bad, it's just you know, it's, in, it's on the road, it's in Cincy, it's not quite yeah. as automatic if, as if they're at home. So, uh, that should that on paper. That's a great spot because the Cincinnati defense is not there, there's not really any reason to think it'll be better than last year, it might be worse than last year. And if the Bengals are throwing enough passes, running enough plays the Vikings might run more plays than they normally would. And as long as cousins gets to like 32 pass attempts, he's probably not hurting you.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So that that'll be a decision that, that uh, is made at least for me uh, come Sunday morning. Let's move on over. We got the bills facing off against the stillers. Uh, This one taking place in Buffalo, Buffalo, six and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, Yahoo users, very, very bullish on the bills. Uh, 70% of users, have cast their lot with Buffalo covering that six and a half number. So that's pretty strong. I think, you know, if, if there's been a couple of consistent themes uh, throughout our offseason podcasting, Mario, uh, when it comes to the NFL, it's been doubting the Steelers pretty, pretty heavily. So um, I, I like the Bills to, to cover this one. I, I like them to win. I would even consider them potentially in survivor. I think that there's enough people that are, that are going to be gravitating towards like the Rams or maybe even the bucks, um, a couple other teams there. So maybe the bills uh, playing at home, not a, not a bad survivor pick, but anyway, uh, what are you looking at for this game from a fantasy perspective? And I want to lead things off of course, with with, uh, Najee Harris.
2: Yeah. I love it. I love the bills for a survivor pick. Definitely. And not that I'm against the spread, but the one way, that I would worry about the Steelers covering is that a, they maybe make the game a little short for the Buffalo offense between getting Najee Harris, a lot of work and the bills probably scoring a lot more quickly than the Steelers do. So it might be one of those things where this, the, the bills are getting like a lot of points per drive, but they end up for some reason only having the ball like 25 minutes of the game or something like that. And if the, the more the Steelers have the ball, the more they're probably kind of, slowing the game down with Harris running out the clock, even a little bit with Harris, just because you know he's going to catch a higher rate of his targets than whatever receiver they, they might've thrown it to last year instead. So uh, I can see the the Steelers kind of shortening the game and it's in their interest to do that because they can't, the, the, the longer the sample, the more certainly they are to lose because the, they can't keep up with the pace of the bills over a long sample. They need to show up in an aberrational part of the sample and, and making the game shorter makes more aberrations happen. So there is a way for the Steelers to kind of lose and never really make it a close game and still be, you know, less than seven points down at the end. So that's the way it could go. I, in any case, I love the Buffalo passing game in this spot. I think the Steelers' defense is going to fall off, and I think – I don't even know what's going on with this T.J. Watt thing. but Yeah, he's he's part of this, you know, entitled generation of players that, you know, don't don't want to earn anything that they get, and it's sickening. But yeah, even if he's playing for the Steelers, I just I don't like where they're headed, and specifically the pass defense, I'm not really convinced it's going to hold up. And here in Buffalo, you're you're setting. Sorry, I should also mention, I do think the run defense is going to be pretty good for the Steelers. So going against the the Bills, it doesn't matter. Well, you didn't need to give them any more encouragement to throw the ball, but you mm-hmm. just did. And it's it's like a two-way or it's a two-part reasoning. It's like that you're you're good against the run and you're bad against the pass. They already were gonna go that way. You gave them two extra reasons to do it. So I think Allen sets up for a great DFS play. I know he's he's not gonna get he's not gonna catch anyone by surprise, but I think he's maybe the most stable quarterback in terms of kind of like high upside and high floor this week, just because I think He might have to throw quite a bit against the Steelers, and I think he'll do really well to whatever volume he does.
1: So we know Stephon Diggs is is pretty automatic uh, in this offense. Any secondary Bills targets that that you would think about?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would seriously consider Cole Beasley for cash game lineups. Like, if a Buffalo stack in a a cash game lineup makes some sense to me on DraftKings, because at 4,400, I mean, Beasley's a guy who could catch 100 passes this year, and no, he's a weirdo and he's 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 in the news for a lot of problematic reasons but he fits in this system they might need him to do a lot of work in this game he draws targets at a high frequency he catches a lot of those targets point poor reception scoring I can't imagine he has many better spots this year
1: no very good point there and yeah I could I could see maybe people maybe Sanders too I guess I mean I don't want to
2: say I don't want to say he's you know any, any slouch himself he could all three of those guys might be busy in this game.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Th- I think, I think you have it right in the sense that the bills are going to be putting it in the air um, a lot. Yeah. That, that run defense kind of steers you away from it. And it's not like the bills were going to be run heavy uh, to begin with this year. Let's get on over now. Uh, we, we touched on it just a minute ago, but we'll, we'll round it out. We got uh, Minnesota traveling to Cincinnati, Minnesota three point favorites on the road here. Um, they are drawing Two thirds of the picks uh, over on Yahoo from their users, sixty-seven percent going with Minnesota covering on the road. That makes me—that's a queasy proposition to me. I I have a hard time trusting Minnesota from a betting perspective at any time. Um, However, uh, this is the Bengals, so that—that is the like the ultimate putting the the feet to the fire uh, type of thing because the the Bengals can can make anyone uh, look pretty good. And you know, out of any team or. Out of all the years we've been doing this, I don't know if there have been more dour uh, reports about a, a team's performance in preseason and, and and in training camp that than the Bengals this year. So they could be in for another uh, long one. And maybe the, the Vikings are just league average enough to take care of business here.
2: Yeah, I think the Vikings defense should be better than it was last year. And I, I guess I'm trying to figure out how much. They might get better, and what what that might mean for the offense if they do, because last year occurred with you know Feeney and Justin Jefferson having the big year, uh, Cousins too. That was with the defense not being anywhere close to Mike Zimmer's normal kind of standards. And going from those rookies that were struggling, you know Dansler, Gladney, going from them to a couple kind of washed up veterans like Peterson and Breland might be better, but it's like man, those those are not exactly foolproof alternatives there. So uh, with that said, Peterson and Breeland both have kind of like body types and uh, skill sets that are better for bigger receivers like T. Higgins than probably like a smaller sort of darting receiver. Maybe these corners can hold up in this setting. The, the pass rush might be pretty good if Daniil Hunter is himself. It's hard to put, it's hard to put a value on how, how important he is on the football field. They got Sheldon Richardson coming off the bench at tackle, so there could be some firepower in that pass rush again, and if, if there is that would be the way it goes, especially badly for Joe Burrow and his pass catchers, of course. So when you look at something like Dalvin Cook, who I imagine is going to be pretty chalky for obviously good reasons in DFS, I think the odds of his volume being there the way we want it to kind of depends on how well that Bengals offense holds up against that pass rush, because if they get clobbered, it's not like the the Vikings want to give Dalvin Cook 30 carries in week 1 against the stupid Bengals like they they'd rather get a win with Cook getting 15 carries than 30. So, uh if the Bengals show up flat, I worry about Cook being like more dependent on the big play, but of of course in, in DFS or whatever context like he gets those big plays as reliably as anybody. So it's it's uh the 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 logic is definitely there. The only question is like how How unavoidable is is Cook in in your lineup construction this week, really?
1: No, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, he's someone, say you're making five lineups, you got to have him in in at least three because, yeah, like you said, the the setup is great, even if the volume isn't maybe what what we'll see from him the rest of the year, provided that uh, the Vikings can just kind of stay, get up and stay up um, on this Bengals team. Big question for me. What do you do with Jamar Chase? If you drafted him in season long, you obviously, you know, spent a a fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth, depending on on what part of draft season, uh, round selection on him. He's got the famous quote uh, floating around today that everyone's having a lot of fun with, that the the NFL ball a lot harder to catch uh, than than the college one. Uh, Obviously, I think that the year off from him, you know, made made that that, uh, learning curve a little bit steeper than a lot of us were expecting. So, Ah, uh, can you throw him out there and feel decent about it when it when it comes to chase in your season long?
2: I think you generally want him out there, especially in point per reception. it's it's not good the way his offseason has gone, and there's, you know, even if he had a unremarkable preseason in training camp that mostly went well, there would still be the reason to worry about the opt out season and how long it might be. Like, like it might be unfair to expect Chase to be good right away. I don't even, I don't really even know how to how to figure out a reasonable expectation for him. But they should need to throw the ball a lot. They they should need to throw the ball like I don't know, forty times in this game. So, thirty five at least. So, when you're talking a certain pass attempt volume for Burrow. It it doesn't really even matter how how bad we think Chase might play in the game because. If he gets nine targets, he can play poorly and still catch five or six. And in PPR, you don't really want him on your bench when that happens. So uh, particularly with most or all of his owners having paid a lot to get him, they really might want to just kind of you know, cross their fingers and put him out there.
1: Yeah, just go ahead, lean into it. Um, all right, so we are about to move on. But before that, a quick word from our sponsors.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another
0: day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: The Niners going up against Detroit on the road, uh, Detroit catching seven and a half point favorites or seven and a half point underdogs at home. Um, San Francisco giving seven and a half in that one feels like pretty steep. Um, I feel like the Lions could come out and play spirited their first game under a new coach, new quarterback. And you know, this is a 49ers team that I think it is very good, but I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, trusting them to, to win by more than a touchdown on the road in the opener might be a, a bit uh, um, rich of an ask. I know that 49ers are also pretty popular in Survivor, but I, I think I would hold off on going with a road team Survivor week one, um, especially with you know fans coming back into the stands. Uh, we'll see how that all goes, but uh, what's your read on this game?
2: Yeah, I don't want to pick the, the 49ers to cover. I guess I expect them to win, but yeah, I'm not I'm not so convinced that it happens that I that I want to make that a survivor pick either. I'm
3: pretty worried because if,
2: if they need if the 49ers need Garoppolo to do something, they're in danger. And they might need him to do something on the road against uh, a a team that might not be good. Like it probably won't be good, but we don't know what they're gonna look like. And it's it's easier to get by, you know, before teams have tape on you. Uh like you said, they're gonna play they're gonna play hard for Dan Campbell and I know some people think, like, Dan Campbell, he is corny and stuff, or cheesy or whatever, but it uh, is stuff, the, the stuff that he does that some people find so annoying is also kind of part of the reason why he might be a really good coach. Is it's just, when you're when you're a meathead, football-playing moron, guys like Dan Campbell make you psyched. It's, the guys like that are cool Absolutely. when you uh, bash your head into things for money. So, it's going to... I think surprise people how how competent even the, the lines might be. Now they're not going to make great plays more or not as often as most of their opponents anyway, but I don't think they're going to lose very often by being just in the wrong place and doing dumb things and stuff like that. But they definitely did under Patricia and, you know, the stuff where they're just playing at like 80% effort under Patricia, that, that's those days are over. So mm-hmm. um, that said, the Lions don't really have a whole lot going for them, especially on defense. They got got some guys. They might be pretty good. I don't really know. Uh, I don't even know what to make of this 49ers defense, though. Like Fred Warner is amazing. These corners should still be pretty good, even with Saleh gone and even with the the pass rush. In my opinion, not super well demonstrated. Like we, We definitely got Bosa. We can expect him to have a big year, but D4 is, I don't know what to make of him. Eric Armstead, resigning him and trading Buckner was a bad idea. I don't think people have really grappled with the loss of Buckner. Even now, uh, they're mm-hmm. never getting back to that level of play in the defensive line with Buckner gone, but Fred Warner should be able to shut down one of Deandre Swift or Hawkinson, basically every play, whoever, whoever Warner is on, they're not doing anything. Uh, yep. But with both of them out there, if, if Swift is out there, I should say the other one might be uh, getting a little bit open. I 49ers got some safety personnel like a guy like Jimmy Ward or Jukai Tart might be okay for that. I don't really know, Um, but there's a couple ways that they the Lions could you know get a couple big plays on them, and if if they can get a couple unlikely big plays or just some unlikely points one way or another, the 49ers are really in trouble at that point because I, I think the, the Lions will be a team good at kind of like protecting their lucky gains when they, when they do occur.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point there. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that with yeah, that Warner chess match uh, and how the, the Lions choose to, uh, you know, kind of almost sacrifice what one of Hawkinson or Swift on a given play. It, you know, in order to get the other one open, especially given that lack of receiver personnel that the Lions have, you got to figure that that Hawkinson and Swift are going to factor greatly um, into this passing attack. And I think Swift was able to practice fully earlier this week. So um, things potentially uh, trending up for for the second year running back and then any um, lingering observations when it comes to this um, 49ers offense from a fantasy perspective you know your your De- uh, Debo's your Brandon Iukes maybe that this running back group anything like that
2: um, I don't know how to make the call on the running backs I, I don't know if I will feel like approaching them all year uh, unless someone gets hurt I mean uh, in the meantime, I guess I can't really make an argument against Sermon or Mostert. Like the big play could be there. That's what they're dependent on. Uh, as long as you're cool with that, I don't really have an argument against it. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Kittle, e- even with Garoppolo out there, Kittle is, I think, you know, locked in. He's uh, he's Jimmy proof. Uh, don't know if the receivers, that's quite the same, but there's not great corner personnel with the, with the Lions anyway. So all those pass catchers, I guess, look you know, about as good as you can reasonably ask.
1: Okay. All right. That that all checks out as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that this group of pass catchers, just because of how um banged up and at different times banged up uh that group was a year ago. Yeah. You know, how do, how did those three the big three there in the passing game coexist? Um can Mostert stay healthy? There there's a lot of pieces that are interesting. In San, in San Francisco, it just doesn't feel like we, we've seen them all together on the field since 2019. And obviously, Ayuk was a rookie a year ago. So how it all gels uh, will be very interesting. Uh, and it starts Sunday in Detroit. And the the 49ers, for, uh, for the record, catching 77% of the picks over in Yahoo. That's heavy. Uh, I, I would like uh, Detroit go against the field. A little bit of differentiation in my uh, spread picks pool there. Um, let's go Tennessee Arizona, Tennessee at home in this one. Uh, They're catching 71% of the picks over on Yahoo. Uh, Three-point favorites are the Titans. Obviously, this is the beginning of the Julio Jones era in Tennessee. What are your thoughts?
2: I know this is going to be a very chalky game for DFS purposes, and it's pretty difficult to argue against it, Uh, particularly if the Cardinals can come out well on offense, they're likely to dictate a very fast pace that the Titans don't normally play in. So if Kyler Murray can get going in this setting, then you have reason to believe that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones might also have basically their biggest games of the year, uh, or among them anyway, because there's not any reason to think these Cardinals corners can do anything about either of them. And the ways that the Cardinals defense might be good this year, I don't I don't know if it really pertains to much of what the the Titans threaten, because the, the way that the Cardinals might be good this year is having kind of an amoeba front defense that's just very big and very fast, but with no one lining up in any predictable way and kind of just confusing quarterbacks into throwing places that they shouldn't and, and guessing wrong about where the blitz is coming from, things like that. But Tannehill in this offense doesn't need to really care about any of that stuff. He's just going off the play action and throwing deep to one of two guys. There's nothing... He doesn't need to guess right where Zayvon Collins is going to drop in coverage because it's not 25 yards downfield, whatever the answer is. So those guys are in a blow-up spot, and everybody knows it. Not Nothing nothing really to see there uh, as far as uh, a trap, in my opinion. The only way it's a trap is if the Cardinals come out flat on offense, and I am a little worried about that. I, I, don't, I don't have a beat on whether Cliff Kingsbury is any better at home or on the road or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm assuming – I am I am low on Cliff Kingsbury, so I'm not going to view it favorite. favor. I'm not going to be charitable about it, whatever way I think of it. So I might be more worried than most people that Kyler Murray might get out there and kind of just watch DeAndre Hopkins get his seven-yard uh, every single play left side of the field route, get sat on, and, and get a couple th- three-and-outs, something like that. And if they go three-and-out two times or just don't score on either of their first two drives, then things can get problematic because the Titans don't the Titans don't necessarily want to throw 35 times. They they will if they need to and they'll let you up if they have to. But they'd rather just give the ball to Derrick Henry and end the game. And if, if mm-hmm. the Cardinals don't score early, you do get the potential, I think, for the AJ Brown uh Julio Jones trap result just because Henry took more than people expected.
1: Right. So so um yeah, the the Cardinals will need to, to force that issue because I think that the general read is that they're they're like both AJ Brown and and Julio will be explosive on that, on that per target basis, but it's just a matter of that passing volume. So if Titans get up early and stay up, then, then it becomes a Derrick Henry game. And then, then we see, you know, something that that's way less than that maximum range of outcomes that we would hope for, for guys like Julio and AJ Brown, but still obviously starting those guys with a ton of confidence. uh, It's just a matter of, do you go full full DFS stack when, when it comes to the Titans and, and their passing game? Um, anything else to see uh, on the Cardinals' offensive side of things? I mean, they're an up-tempo team. you got Kyler Murray, of course, and, De- and DeAndre Hopkins is going to push for double-digit targets, of course. But who's is there a, a sleeper among the, this group of pass catchers that, that might catch your eye uh, for DFS?
2: So... I, I think the matchup looks good for all the Arizona pass catchers, really. Caleb Farley apparently is not even ready to play. So he's not going to be the kind of player he could have been for this matchup. And, and Farley could have changed things if he had been prepared. But instead, they're going to have like Christian Fulton, uh, some other guy, and then Elijah Molden, I want to say, in the slot. So okay. uh, I think Christian Kirk can definitely run past Molden. Uh, Rondale Moore, I think is going to play less than people think and is going to play more outside than people think. He will play in the slot too, but he's, I think he's going to get more outside looks than people think. Uh, he should be able to run away from whoever it is. AJ Green might be able to get going on these guys. Like The one thing I remember about Christian Fulton is that he has short arms and uh, AJ Green might not need to get open. And If he's in single coverage and Hopkins is getting double, AJ Green could end up with some plays. So. It is a good matchup for Kyler Murray in the, the entire passing game. If they if they manage to disappoint in this spot, it's all on Kingsbury, in my opinion, and there, there's no particular reason to expect that outcome. I just think it is a little more likely with Cliff Kingsbury than the average NFL head coach.
1: Fair. Yeah, the, the Cliff has done nothing to really uh, edify any, any sort of confidence uh, through his first two seasons there in Arizona. So uh, the pieces are there. We'll see if they, if they can get them to, to work there on the road in Tennessee. Before we get on to our next game, a couple words from our sponsors. Leading things off, our friends over at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy. Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. And if you want to break from sports betting, head into WinBet's digital casino, take a spin on Roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also got a message from our friends over at Fantasy Stand. Playing fantasy sports is so much fun, but once you dive deeper, fighting against other players for a percentage of the pot, there might be sharks. Even when your fantasy team crushes it, those skilled pros leave you without a single cent. Luckily, the days of having a great score and not getting loot are over. With Fantasy Stand, you're playing against the house. If you reach the threshold, you win. It's that simple. Sorry, Baby Sharks. To participate choose a free or paid contest entry in the lobby for salary cap. You have to pick nine players while staying at or under the salary cap. And for pick them, you simply pick one player from each tier they are rep- presented with done. Now sit back and watch the results to see if your fantasy team has what it takes to stand out from the rest, come out as a high score, get ready for additional prizes. See where, so where do you stand? Visit fantasystand.com to sign up today. Also got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. Preseason football has wrapped up and we're ready for the regular season to kick off this week. Live events are making a comeback and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels really good to say. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show that everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, Mario, let's get on to our next game. We got Seattle traveling to Indianapolis to face off against the cold Seattle. Uh, two and a half point favorites in this one. Indianapolis, uh, a team that is. Uh, I'm not totally sure what their what their future, plan of the future is. They, they keep doing the, these stopgaps um, at, at the quarterback position, obviously with Bill Rivers. You know what their few, plan
2: for the future was, John? Get Chris it. Ballard an extension. That's what their plan was. Chris Ballard was just like, hey, I'm not going to try to draft a quarterback. You guys are going to say that I need to get fired if he sucks. So instead he traded for Carson Wentz, got the contract extension, and now who, what does he care? They, they let them suck. He's going to get paid either way. That's
1: that's 3D chess right there for, from uh, protecting your your own. That's behind. good management. Correcting. That's good.
2: Yeah. Anyway, they they're they're a very weird team right now, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, not that the Seahawks are exactly normal, but they they seem to be more where they uh, expected to be all this time.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. Th- this is um, so this sets up as a weird matchup. Maybe this is some old scar tissue coming from me, but I remember a couple of years ago Seattle had. Um, what looked to be like the chalkiest survivor opener um, against Cincinnati at home the year that Cincinnati uh, played poorly enough to, to end up with the number one pick and they always blew that one. So like I have serious trust issues with Seattle dating back two years ago and I probably had some uh, beforehand, whether that that should have any bearing in this game uh, that's dubious, but uh, that's how my brain works. Sorry to say. Um, so I can't really trust Seattle um, from like a survivor perspective necessarily. I know that they're, they're catching a little bit uh, of, um, of, of traction on that end of things. Uh, if I'm putting in bets specifically for, for this week, this is a game that, that I'm staying away from for the, for the most part. I expect weirdness on both sides. I do expect, though, overall Seattle to come away with the victory. So I guess I, I would, you know, at two and a half points, end up laying that if I had to.
2: Yeah, I have no idea how to take a side here. Um I guess the smart money is on the Seahawks winning now that the spread is gone, you know, well into their favor after starting initially the Colts' favor, but I just don't trust either of these teams enough to to assume the other is out, you know? Like I right. I just don't know how to make that call. Uh I think in a way I mean the less the lower scoring this game is the more trouble the Seahawks are in I think and I'm not that I'm expecting any particular high scoring scenario I just mean I don't think there's a lot of reason to believe that Chris Carson can get going in a very explosive way like I think he's a fine DFS pick especially at DraftKings cuz he should catch a lot of passes this year and he should be pretty good but DeForest Buckner is such a monster the Colts have two pretty tough tackles at stopping the run Buckner and Grover Stewart. Those, those linebackers can definitely run a little bit. It wouldn't be shocking if the, the Colts defense were able to contain Carson and force Russell Wilson to get going uh, in the intermediate and downfield as a passer. And at that point, that's not a given exactly either because uh, first of all the Colts pass rush might be pretty decent. Like Buckner's a monster against the run, but he's also a monster against the pass and Quiddy pay, you know, if you're if you if you're putting him in a single blocker every time and if, if, if Russell Wilson's taking three and a half seconds to get rid of the ball, he can get hit that way. So uh, that and Xavier Rhodes, I know he was a bum for the Vikings, but in this particular scheme, he can probably be a little bit of a deterrent to DK Metcalf because all that they have to have him do at corner really is play the sideline and sideline and vertical. And Xavier Rhodes is a big guy who is fast, if nothing else. So... Uh, he has some of the traits, the most likely traits anyway, to, to slow down a player like Metcalf. Rhodes has that. So I think Tyler Lockett can win, but it's just to say that there's a kind of narrow path I feel like the Seahawks have on offense. And I love Lockett. I think I, I'd like his chances against any defense pretty much. But it, to me, it, it, there aren't so many fallback options for the Seahawks here to feel safe. Whereas the Colts, even if their passing game kind of sucks, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be able to stop Taylor for twenty carries. Like maybe they can slow him down for the first twelve, but Taylor's one of those running backs who, if you keep you keep taking enough jabs from him, eventually you're going to go the wrong way. He's just going to knock you out. Oh man, I, I like I
1: like the the boxing analogy there when it comes to Taylor. Yeah, I'm expecting a good game out of him. Of course, as I guess well. we got to see
2: on Xavier Rhodes. Sorry, he wasn't practicing yesterday, so if he's out, then DK Metcalf can definitely run past whoever they got.
1: The, the greenest of green lights, uh, there for, for Metcalf. All right, we got a bunch of games to get through here, so let's uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, we got Washington uh, playing host to the Chargers. This one setting up as a pick 'em right now, one of the more even uh, pick distributions o- over on Yahoo. Uh, Chargers uh, catching 55% of the picks, Washington 45. Uh, how do you see this one uh, shaking out? I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit um. A little, little bit of my eyebrows raised about this Chargers team uh, after your comments uh, on their on what their offense could look like uh, during the pod last week.
2: Yeah, I hate the idea of a slow offense going against this pass rush. Like you don't want to be slow when you're going against this pass rush. So Herbert, I think he's still a really good quarterback. I think he could he could play some hero ball. Uh, that's what he has to play though. I think like I don't know where he's gonna get any help here. The Washington defense is loaded. I don't like this spot for the Chargers at all. I, I hate their offense in this game.
1: Yeah, it, it could be a little bit rough. So asking a, a kind of general start-sit start, start sit question, I think a lot of people have this loadout at quarterback where they have Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. Which way do you, would you lean this week?
2: I'd go Lawrence. It's so bad for me. I have Herbert in a, on an NFFC team, and I'm seriously considering starting Sam Darnold over him. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Someone will probably, you know, hopefully just uh, commit me before then, before I need to make that call.
1: (laughs) They're coming for you, man. Um, Let's see. (laughs) Let's get on to to that very game. Carolina going up against the Jets. Carolina five and a half point favorites in this one. Um, Carolina catching most of the action over on Yahoo. 74% of the picks on Carolina covering five and a half. A lot of revenge narratives. We always love those. Um, Sam Darnold, of course, Robbie Anderson as well, even though it's not against their old coaching staff necessarily. It is still the Jets after all. I actually put down the uh, the Panthers as my survivor pick for this week. I know that, that's, that might seem a little bit funky, but I just think the Jets are pretty far away from being particularly competitive. Uh, maybe they start to wake up as the season unfolds, but with this being week one on the road, I feel really good about the Panthers here.
2: Yeah, people are getting really high on the Jets passing game and Zach Wilson because he had a good preseason. And the book's not written on him. I don't know which way it's going to go. But good preseason means absolutely nothing. And you got a lot of people uh, freaking out because they believe something to the opposite effect. And it's you know it's more important if you're playing poorly in training camp, which Wilson was at least early on. I don't I haven't heard anything lately. Um, that's more important than playing well in the preseason. I think the Panthers defense is going to surprise people this year. I don't think that they're a sitting duck at all in this spot. Uh, I do like Elijah Moore a ton on DraftKings. He's 3,000. If Jameson Crowder's out, I'm going to have Elijah in every single lineup, even though I'm concerned about uh, Zach Wilson. But meanwhile, that Jets defense does not have good secondary personnel. Like, at safety, they're kind of okay. Corner, they're just asking to get lit up. And Robert Saleh did not get good defensive results at the 49ers until, like, his third year there. So... He only has produced in the past with a defensive personnel advantage. He doesn't have it here. I, I'll be pretty disappointed if the Panthers show up flat in this one.
1: All right, there we have it. So uh, things definitely trending in the right direction for, for the Panthers for this matchup, and, and good call on Elijah Moore. I, I I rarely need much in the way of convincing to, to be stoked on Elijah Moore, but uh, good if call. Crowder's
2: there. out. Yeah. He's getting like eight targets or something.
1: Let's go, man. He's going to be efficient with those as well, no matter who's throwing it to him, uh, even if it's uh, a raw version of Zach Wilson. Uh, let's get on over. We got the this week's toilet bowl. Uh, we'll get another one of these later on in the year, but we're very lucky to have it. Uh, we got Jacksonville traveling to Houston to face the Texans. The Texans actively trying to do whatever it is that they're trying to do. Jacksonville, um, they have kind of a dubious Uh, thesis on on what they're trying to accomplish with Urban Meyer and company there, but they do have Trevor Lawrence and that should help smooth over a lot of things. Even if he looked a little bit uh, less than perfect uh, during the, during the preseason, that only means so much. So Jags two and a half point favorites on the road in this one. Uh, what, uh, What are your thoughts here?
2: Yeah, I'll definitely take the Jaguars to cover. I think, I think it's more likely that the Jaguars win by like 14, than not cover that uh, particular number. So I could be just full of it, obviously. And Urban Meyer is not a good coach. That's not my reasoning here. My reasoning is the Texans are a NFL Europe team, and I think that Urban Meyer, even in his worst timeline, can defeat an NFL Europe team when he has Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. I think DJ Chark is going to hit the ground running. Uh, I think people are completely out of their minds with how they're evaluating him. Him, Loviska, and Marvin Jones, all look great in this lineup, uh, this, this matchup. And uh, if Urban Meyer treats this, I, I, what I'm hoping is he treats this game like he would, you know, college football scheduling considerations in the BCS era. You need to beat the Texans by, like, 30 points if you want to get in the playoffs, Urban. So
1: You got to impress the computers.
2: And I think he might run it up because he's he's probably sensitive to them having, like, a lot of criticism in the preseason, not looking great in the preseason. I think he wants Trevor Lawrence to score, like, four touchdowns in this game so that he can be like, okay, now we're ready for the conference schedule. <laughs> ready
1: to take on Penn State in the, in the whiteout in a, in yeah, a couple of in, weeks. In
2: week four. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I, I love it. I, I can definitely see it. Like, playing play the narrative game with, with Urban Meyer, like, it, it seems to to stick, like, better than, than it does with a lot of these other NFL coaches because Urban is just, he's that goofy, honestly, but like, to where, like, those type of things could realistically, like, cross his mind. Um, so, yeah, and the Texans, I think, will be amenable to uh, just getting pummeled in, in this one, potentially. So, uh, I like that call as well. Um, let's see here. I, I guess... Any Texans. uh, Yeah. I mean, that
2: Jags defense isn't any good. So if, if some running back on that team plays 40 snaps, they might be useful. I don't, I don't want to make that call. I don't, I don't want to try to guess, but uh, it looks like they're going to go into it with cooks, Conley and Nico Collins as their top three receivers. So any of those three really, and even Jordan Aikens at tight end on DraftKings, I would think about, because you know, he's really cheap, whatever his number is point per reception. He could catch something like eighty passes this year for that team, uh, not not because he's good or anything. You don't need to believe he is. It's just that's that's the kind of goofy offense that they're cooking up over there. Yep,
1: it's going to be a little bit uh, tough to watch a lot of the time, but um, at the very least, there there will be some entertainment value at least in Week One uh, with with the Jaguars coming to town. Let's get on over to what what I think might be the the best game of Sunday's slate. We got Kansas city at home against Cleveland, uh, Kansas city, six and a half point favorites in this one, obviously a rematch of the divisional round from a year ago. I think this is a really good Browns team. I think everyone else is kind of in that same mindset, but this is a, a big spot for them to, to prove that um, six and a half points. I guess that this would be the only team, only spot only set up where the Browns w- were underdogs by that much. It would have to be on the road against the chiefs, you know? So um, I guess I'm not shocked by that number, even even if it does look a little bit weird at at first glance. I mean, the Chiefs are just so good, so complete all the way through, and they have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's just kind of end of story there. Um, but what is your read on, on this particular matchup?
2: So I, I don't know what I think, to be honest, because it's hard for me to imagine this Browns defense especially. Like, it should be good. And getting uh, that Northwestern corner, uh, getting him there to, to run opposite Denzel Ward, that gives him speed on both sides. Greedy. I guess Greedy might be outside too. He he could still be good. I don't mean to write him off or anything, but Denzel Ward is definitely great. And if they get good play out of the second and third corner reps, that starts to change the whole complexion of the thing. And they could be fine even if they don't. But if those two get going, they could have a really tough defense. The Browns don't have a, t- if I remember right, anyway, they don't have a ton of defensive line depth. Uh, so I, I don't exactly, I don't I don't personally anticipate them having a pass rush anything close to like Washington's, for instance. But it's it should be pretty good, and it should be like gap sound, and they could be tough against the run. I don't I don't know what to make of John Johnson exactly, but he'll presumably help. So there's a lot that could go well there, but I'm not as high on the Browns' coaching as most people, so I'm a little skeptical of whatever optimistic line of reasoning. And if they do fall behind enough. Uh, let's say more than if they fall behind like more than six points, they're in big trouble because I think they can catch back up if they stay, if they're disciplined enough to just keep running the ball with Chubb. But if they put in a game script where Baker Mayfield just needs to go four wide and play catch up with Pat Mahomes, they're going to get buried because Baker Mayfield is not that kind of quarterback.
1: Right. Yeah, they, he he's obviously proven to be um, someone who needs the, the rest of the team around him uh, playing well to, to kind of be at his at his best. Um, so a little bit glorified game manager, um, very different from his Oklahoma days. Of course um, our, our buddy Juan Tommy wants to know Mario is Kareem hunt worth a flex play this week. I, let's just assume PPR for that one.
2: Yeah, I think hunts is a worthwhile flex play pretty much every week. Um, he's, he's got a role there. And I guess if you, regardless of the script, really, I mean, even, even when the Browns are winning, I think hunt is a viable flex play. And if they're losing, you could, I guess I think it's more likely that Hunt gets targets than in the prior scenario. So I guess we'll see. I mean, maybe they don't pull Chubb when they go hurry up. That would, that would be great news for Chubb investors probably put him in the top five map, but last year, and you know, generally they tended to go to Hunt when they go hurry up.
1: Yeah. So we have, we have Hunt as a top 30 running back and a top 80 flex consideration for this week. So just tossing that out there. Uh, so I think we're in agreement there. Um, let's keep, Things rolling. Uh, we got New England, Miami. New England, uh, three-point favorites in, in this one at home. Mac Jones's uh, debut, of course. Miami uh, sniffed the postseason last year, kind of faltered um, at the end, so that it did not end up making the playoffs. But we got year two of Tua. Um, we we got a battle of former Alabama quarterbacks in this one. How do you see this one shaking out?
2: It could be pretty ugly. You know, playing in Foxborough, that that definitely makes it tougher for the. Dolphins offense. I think the Dolphins defense will show up to play and it'll be a pretty stern test right off the bat for Mac Jones. Like I I expect Josh McDaniels to have a pretty sound game plan arranged. Like I think he'll he he won't put Mac Jones at too much exposure risk, but it still could be a game where Jones kind of struggles to, you know, get big plays. Like I, I can see them moving the chains a decent amount, avoiding turnovers, stuff like that. But A, that's not a given. And B, I just don't think the wide receiver personnel is good enough in this offense to really give Mac Jones a good matchup here, especially against corners like these. Uh, Jacoby Myers should be fine. I mean, if there's a weak spot, it probably would be the interior corner play. Because uh, outside, you got Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I don't think Aguilar is beating either of them. I don't think uh, Kendrick Bourne is beating either of them. But Jacoby Myers running, you know, especially with that full assortment of of pick routes and all that that they've used over the years with Edelman and whoever their slot receiver has ever been. Myers gets the benefit of those, so he should get usage. I'm just kind of skeptical that they, uh, I guess, put points on the board because when they get that close, the slot option doesn't quite play as well as it would in the first 80 yards. So Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Damian Harris, they need to step up in that part of the field. That's
1: where Mondray Stevenson comes in, man.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, any, anybody in that part of the field that could step up, if they can get them to the end zone, that's that's how the, the uh, Patriots really win this one, I think. But um, in the meantime, I don't know. That, that Dolphins defense could be really tough, and they're they're confusing, too. Like, they have, they have some pretty ambitious coverage schemes. So Jones, gonna ha- Jones is going to have some help with McDaniels, I think, but he's also going to need every bit of it.
1: Okay, and then on the other side, give me the uh, Dolphins pass catch to the target. <laughs> Um, obviously, well, with Will Fuller being suspended for for this week, it, does Waddle hit the ground running, or, or is this Devonte Parker, Mike Gesicki show?
2: I think it's a totally good spot to play Waddle in, like a, especially if you are in a twelve or more team PPR scoring, or if you have multiple flex spots, something like that. Like I know the I know the matchup isn't good, but Waddle is a top tier talent, and if he's getting snaps and he's getting targets, something should happen eventually over a long enough sample, and maybe this isn't. You know the part of the sample where he has his upper range outcome, but it's totally possible that he does. And that's uh, not that I think Gilmore would have stopped Waddle or even been on him a whole lot. But Gilmore is out, and JC Jackson is a beast. Jonathan Jones is a really good slot corner. Those guys are going to be tough covers, especially JC Jackson. But I just don't, I just don't want to bet against Waddle losing to anybody in particular over enough chances at them, and, and with Will, Will Fuller out. Uh, and no particular reason to expect a big game out of the ground game for the Dolphins. I think there really might be some slack, some tension there. And if you, you put that on water long enough, a guy like him, I think eventually gets out of it.
1: Well then there we have it. Uh, we got a handful of games to get to here, Mario, as we close things out, got a couple afternoon games to, to settle here. So we'll leave things off. Green Bay, uh, four, four point favorites, neutral site uh, yeah. against the, the new look, New Orleans Saints. Uh, Green Bay public is very, very confident in them. 80% of the picks on Yahoo going in favor of the pack with, with obviously Aaron Rodgers being back Um, your quick thoughts on this one.
2: Yeah. Packers should clean up here. It should be a big game for one of Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. I don't see the need for both. It should be a big game for Kamara. Uh, I love his setup, even though I think the saints are barely a real team right now.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, uh, yeah, no, that's a, it's, it's, going to Be tricky to, to figure out uh Khmer or the, this uh Saints offense. I'm definitely excited to see what it ends it's up It's a good looking spot like.
2: for Callaway and Raekwon, it's just I don't think it's competitive, like they're good because they're bad, you know, like they're not going to be good in a way that the Saints end up winning games over it,
1: okay? But but maybe for fantasy purposes, oh, totally. the, yeah, yeah it, it could be solid, uh. I'm really interested in Denver. I have a lot of investment in their offense this year. Uh, And that that was even, you know, without ever thinking that Rodgers to Denver was a real consideration. I just love the talent that they have. But if there was one one kind of big surprise takeaway from from last year or under-the-radar takeaway from last year, this wasn't like a big takeaway, but Giants defense, salty. Salty bunch of fellas. Um, So I'm a little bit worried about Denver on the road in this one. Uh, Denver is a three point favorite against the giants. And I think the giants are just going to be uh, a chore to play against this. Year. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I'm not, I don't know, even I'm starting Jerry Judy where I have him, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm going with, with him in DFS and, and, uh, same goes for Sutton. I'm light on Sutton's, uh, I have a little bit of Fant. I'm not going after the run game too much this week. Cause I think there's too much unknown as for how that, uh rotation is going to going to work out. So uh, your, your thoughts here, Denver Giants.
2: Well, with Royce Freeman cut and uh, Mike Boone on IR, I think both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are going to play a lot in this game. Like, I don't know if another running back will take a snap for the Broncos. So they're both going to get work. I don't know what they are going to do with it. Like, I don't think the, I think this, the Giants defense can really load up the safeties in this matchup because Teddy's not a quarterback who threatens well downfield uh, Courtland Sutton's probably his best downfield threat, but James Bradbury is lab designed to stop a receiver like Courtland Sutton, especially when they're coming off of injury. So see Denon there. Jerry Judy's really good, and I, I think he's going to kind of just be a matchup-proof player eventually. But in this environment, like the, the Giants have really good personnel in his part of the field too. It's like they got those three safeties who play pretty much every down because Xavier McKinney is in the slot or Logan Ryan's in the slot some looks and they're going to be tough like they're going to have some well designed coverages with patrick graham the coordinator and uh, they got a lot of good run stuffing personnel to slow down the run game so i could see this being just a a really dreary game uh i don't know who wins it probably comes down to sack forced fumble turnover and uh you know interception something like that because when you look at just the offensive matchups it just seems to be dead ends across the board for both teams
1: yeah, given who else is going to be playing it in that time slot, that's going to be like the forgotten game of the of the Sunday afternoon like uh, red zone feed. Like it, they'll like a, they'll go to it only because the other games are, are at
2: commercial or at halftime. I don't think there's going to and be. And then a lot they'll of probably games. play those commercials instead.
1: It might as well. I'm I'm excited for this new batch of uh, commercials. We're going to get beaten over the head with over the course of the season. All right, night games, Mario. Let's get the let's get through these. We got. Uh, the Rams, 7.5-point favorites at home. New-look Rams, Matthew Stafford making his L.A. debut going up against the Chargers. Uh, L.A., very popular survivor pick this week. How do you see this one going?
2: That's a pretty widespread, but I guess it makes some sense. Like, I guess we expect the Bears to lose this, so why not buy a full touchdown or more? If the Rams do cover this, I imagine it's... Probably if, if the Rams cover, that's a brief game for Daryl Henderson, I think, because it means they scored a lot of points really fast, and maybe Michelle came into the game, uh, maybe one of those rookies, I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, everybody in the Rams' pass-catching group looks good.
1: Yes, uh, green lights there, and then with, with the Bears, obviously you're starting your, your Montgomerys and your Allen Robinsons of the world. Uh, Robinson could be a tough matchup, of course, against Jalen Ramsey, but um, – I don't think there's much else to see. I think if you if you're a Mooney investor, this is not the week to to deploy him. Um, that kind of thing, but um, otherwise, yeah, yeah I, do, I do expect that the Rams to um, maybe atone for that famous Sunday night game from a couple years ago in in, uh, in 2018 when the when the Bears just kind of exposed uh, the Rams and maybe even set up the blueprint for what was ultimately the Rams' demise in the Super Bowl. Last game here, Mario. First game at the new Raiders stadium that also will have fans in it. So that I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere. There's been zero good news out of uh, Ravens camp, basically the entirety of the preseason. So I'm not sure about the Ravens covering four and a half on this one. Um, I I, I think the Ravens win, but I think it, I think it's real close. I think it's an uncomfortable game.
2: Uh, I guess I'm just too much of a Lamar truther, but I'm just not worried. I think he's going to light them up. I think they're, They're going down hard. Um, Marquise Brown, knock on wood, has been practicing for almost 10 days now. If you have have Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, and Sammy Watkins out there, Devin DuVernay, Raiders are getting annihilated, in my opinion. Well
1: then, all right. Well, I would certainly uh, take that. But as the the unbiased analyst uh, here put that hat back on, I think we're in for a a fun— uh, kind of goofy Monday night game, again, with the the raucous environment out there in Vegas. Nick Whalen, I think, is going to be um, parachuting into the stadium because I know he's going to be out in Vegas uh, this weekend. He's going to be sticking around, I think, until Monday. So uh, look for our, our colleague, uh, Nick Whalen, uh, for, for the uh, end of game entertainment there. But otherwise, that's going to wrap things up. For this edition of the Rotowire NFL podcast, of course, tune in tomorrow for Scott Jenstad, Andrew Laird, giving you the lay of the land from a DFS perspective. But again, for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire NFL podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding